Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Mic is on. My mic's on. Thank you. Hello, GateCon. Welcome back. For those of you joining me early, thank you for cutting your lunch break so short. I apologize for that. For those uh, who come in later, this is going to be available online for free at youtube.com slash dial the gate. Um, uh, if you enjoy uh, what you've been seeing at GateCon, uh, please consider clicking that like button online. It will encourage the YouTube algorithm to share uh, more content like this. And uh, if you have Stargate friends out there who would enjoy watching this, uh, share the video with other Stargate fans. Uh, I appreciate everyone who's already uh, turned up for this episode. This is a very uh, special show for me because I get to invite uh, someone that I've uh, gotten to know a little bit better uh, very recently, Mr. Eric Avari, to the stage with me. Can you please give him a warm uh, welcome? Hello, everyone. Thank you. Small but select. And they're online as well, so. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I have to ask up front. One of the biggest moments in all of cinema, running down that hill in the, the Yuma Dunes. What was that experience like? Just taking the charge in front of 2,000 extras. It, <laughs> I, I remember it so vividly. You know? um, it was a long day. Uh, as you can imagine, I mean, there yeah. were 1,500 extras. There were all these explosions that, that were set up to go. Uh, which is a complicated process to begin with, you know, setting them up and then sweeping the dunes of all the footsteps and footprints, you know, so that it looked pristine and uh, setting up the camera, making sure that they had all the angles. They had six cameras lined up down at the bottom of the dunes. We were brought up around the back and up, so we'd never really walked the dunes, you know, and... Being all silvery sands, I didn't really have a good perspective on how steep it was. Oh. Okay? So that's clue number one of what goes <laughs> wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, after we were, we were sent up there, it was blazing hot, and I could feel the 1,500 people behind me just wow. starting to flag. You know, it was hot, they were tired and getting cranky. So this is before take one. How long, are they, how long are you all out here in the desert at this point? We were already up there about an hour and a half. Oh, my. You know, so, yeah, it was. In the blazing sun, no fans. No shade, no fans, no, shade. no nothing, right? And so, and, and I knew, this is the climax of the film, I, I knew I needed a lot of energy from these guys, you know? And so I started is this mic not on? around. Hello. Oh. I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> okay. No, it's all good. Hello. Check. Am I on? There we go. There Sorry, we go. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so you're on the dunes. We're an hour and a half. Everyone's got no shade. No They're shade. starting to flag behind you. 
And so I started doing like a striptease and, you know, things <laughs> like that and dancing and, you know, getting them up. They were, you know, it, it amused them for a few minutes and then they got bored with that. And so I finally I said, okay, I'm going to challenge you. And back in the day, I used to be a sprinter. You know, I could run pretty quick. Yeah. And I've got a 15-yard lead on these guys anyway. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do a day's per diem to anyone who can beat me down to the bottom of the dunes. Oh, and no. now I had their attention, you yes. know? And they were like, oh, I'm going to take you one, bro. I was like, you bring it, <laughs> you know? Anyway, so, so now I, I, I felt a little more confident as to, you know, like, we'll, we'll get some energy, we'll Correct. get this thing, and it'll look great, you know. And we had a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking uh, extras who didn't understand English, so we had a translator on the big, you know, bull mics. And they, they said, run toward the camera. Okay. The problem with that direction was there were six cameras lined up. At the bottom of the hill. They wanted to get all these different angles. But the guy only said, run toward the camera. So, anyway. What was the direction for the English speakers? It, it, run toward the cameras. Oh, cameras. Yes. Oh, no. Yes, okay. You know? Or, or I, I think was, some of them said, follow Kasuf. You know, okay. and I was like, that's me, you know. Right. So, uh, we go, and action, finally, right? And I started running down this hill, and was steep, and once you build up momentum, yeah. it, there, there was no stopping, you know, right. unless you went like a cartoon right. and you come to a screeching halt, like, you go, guys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're charging down the hill, and I'm thinking, there's something not quite right here, because I, 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 none of the explosions are going off. Right, because you know? they're firing the staff blast at you, and you've got the pyros going off in the sand, right? That we would... Supposed to happen, but oh. they weren't happening. But at this point, you know, you don't stop. You know, no, I pull you're it, running. Right, you're running. And, you know, and I, plus I had this big bet going. I don't want to lose that. <laughs> I had some speeders behind me, you know. So I'm trying. And, and, and I must say, you know, when you've got 1,500 people screaming and yelling and, and, you know, with all that energy, plus you're on a downhill slope. I was flying. I was just, you know, going way faster than I should have been going. <laughs> but there was no stopping. And I, we make it down the hill, and they went, I heard all the directors going, cut, cut, cut. I was like, what went wrong? <laughs> Roland says, come here, I'll show you. <laughs> he shows me the playback. And it, it looks great, you know, up front, and I, yell, and then we start the charge, and it's all exciting, and all these guys start running, and then all of a sudden, the flanks start to peel off, right? oh. they're, they're running toward the wrong camera, you know? but it looks like they're deserting me, <laughs> but oh, and then, running down, I, I popped my hamstring. Oh, no. And by the time I got down to the thing, it was purple. You know, the entire back of my thigh was purple. And someone went running to, to Dean and said, hey, it popped a hamstring. Without a pause and perfect timing, Dean goes, good, he'll run slower next time. <laughs> that 
was Dean's reaction. You know, I'm supposed to be 85 or whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just tearing ass down, down this hill. Did anyone come and ask for their per diem? I beat everyone. You beat everyone. I beat everyone. <laughs> Popped hamstring and all. And they were like, oh, man, you you cheated. You were way ahead. I'm like, that's right. That's the, the point. Yes, right. that's exactly right. I'm the leader. And, and, you follow me. And actually, if you look very, very closely and do a pause, I think it was my left thigh. Did they use some of that take? The, yes. Yeah. And you can see, you know, at one point my tunic flies up. I flash it a little bit. But you see my, uh, the, the, uh, the, yeah, the wow. ace bandage. Yeah, if you look very closely. I did not know so, that. But it was such a, you know, what an experience. I tell you, you know, it, that's something that you could only experience in a movie like that. You know, right. big And stand. probably not now. You know. Yeah, because it would be all CG. Right. You know. With the crowd shot with everyone there with, with the victory... Fist, and that was that all the same day, or was that a different? Yes, day? that okay. was the same, that, that was that wow. evening. I heard that you know they would lose extras by the multiple dozens day after day. People just wouldn't show up again because they couldn't stand the heat. And these these were folks who were used to it, right? But How, what was the temperature on your first day? One hundred and thirty-eight. One hundred and thirty-eight, and people were going down, you know. And uh, your cells start to die at a 108 degrees. Is that right? That explains a lot. Yeah, your cells <laughs> begin to die. Now, it takes a lot of cells to dying to kill you, but I mean, and you also regenerate several million cells every few seconds, but you're, di- you're cooking. You are yeah. cooking out there on that desert. I was. And it was funny. Now, I, you know, being a principal, every, every time they yelled cut, I'd go to the tent and you know, a little swamp cooler, they touch up my makeup, give me some water, da, da, da. The other guys, the right. elders, and, and these were real elders, man. I mean, yeah. you know, they were just sitting in the sand, out in the open. And I, I forget on which scene it was, but I, I remember walking back to my one mark while they were still sitting there, and there was this older fellow. He, he had to be in his 80s. And he was just sitting like this. And he was just like this, you know? You know, in his robes and everything. And I came up to him and I said, Man, are you okay? I said, I don't know how you are because I just walked from there to here and I'm dripping in sweat. And he just said, You move too much. <laughs> I was it. You got a point. <laughs> he was just so chill. That that was such an amazing movie. With everyone involved, was it was a character. You know, it was it was a beautiful experience. Tell me about how you found yourself in this career. Um, we have a mutual friend going back to grad school, Chris Klug. Uh, was it around that time? Was it before that? Oh, well, before that. Before you were Nari Avari? Yes, yes. Okay. Well, I was, I was Nari Avari then. Uh-huh. And, uh, well... This is I, a nickname, uh, by the way. I wanted to be an actor um, ever since I can remember. The question was how. I grew up in a tiny little town up in the mountains in India. And uh, there just seemed no path to come to America to be 
an actor. And I wanted to be on Broadway. That was my, that was my dream. You know, I wanted to do Shakespeare on Broadway. Of course, they don't do Shakespeare on Broadway much, but you know, that's, what I, I, that's how little I knew. Uh, I, I, long story, I, I came to America as, on a student visa, and I went to, went to college and did all of that. And, and uh, my very first gig in New York City was an off-off Broadway play. It sounds a lot more grand than it actually is. It's really free theater, and they called it showcase work, where you get to showcase your talent, you know, for free. They'd give you subway fare for the week, mm. $5 and something like whatever. But my very first play was um, The Story of the Gadsby, A Tale Without a Plot, world premiere of this Rudyard Kipling play. There's a reason no one did this play before. No, it didn't have a plot. <laughs> right. So anyway, I, uh, and, and I went out to audition. My dad was a British Army officer. These were all British Army officers in, in India back in the 40s, you know. I mean, this is stuff I knew really well, you know. And I went into audition, and uh, the first thing they said, so, uh, Nari, what kind of name is that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm from India. Oh, great. No audition, no nothing. Go see the director. Here's his, here's the address. Go right now and, and see. I thought, oh, shit, I'm, I'm really rocking this one, you know. My first audition, I don't know. I'm going right to the director. I go to this address, and I'm sitting in the hallway. The door's open. I can see people wandering around in and out the, uh, the office inside. But I'm just waiting, politely, you know. And uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour goes by. I'm still sitting there. And finally, this one guy who'd been walking back and forth, and he looks out at me and says, what are you here for? He said, I'm here for the audition. What audition? I, said, I don't know. It's for the Rudyard Kipling play. Uh, no. Who are you? He said, my name is Nari Avari. Oh, you're the Indian guy. I said, yeah. Okay, great, great. Okay, so um, we, we start on Tuesday, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, shit, I got the fucking part. I'm sorry. <laughs> got the part? That was it? No audition? <laughs> right. Well, that was the good news. The oh. bad news was it was a one-line walk-on part, uh, right? I'm sorry? Oh, okay. Comfortable? Good. So, as I was saying... I get this one-line walk-on part, but it's my very first audition in the big city and all the stuff. Who am I to complain, right? Yeah. We start the play, and it is awful. Oh, no. It is just awful. <laughs> but and, and that was the bad news. And the worst news was it was incredibly well-produced. So we got every reviewer in town, like from John Simon, who was like, this notorious critic who just rip you to shreds at the drop of a hat. He came. Every critic in town, which normally they wouldn't be reviewing an off-off-Broadway play. John Simon's review started with, now I remember why I don't go to off-off-Broadway. <laughs> and it went from there. Right? So anyway, yeah, we're getting pan and all this shit. And Three days into the run, 
one of the actors in, in the scene that I was in said he, was, he got a, a paying gig in Philadelphia, so he was going to give notice and, and go do this thing. I was like, great. I know his lines. Correct. I know his blocking. I'm going to give the director five minutes to settle down, and then I'm going to go in and tell him I can play the part, right? Which I did, and, 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 and the director was just looking very concerned and troubled, and I, he said, can I have a word with you? What do you want, man? He said, okay, uh, you know, I, I know Peter's lines. I know the blocking. I, I can step into it right now if you want. He said, no, please, I, you know, I don't, I don't have time. I've got big problems on my hands right now. And the way he brushed me off, it just, it, it kind of galled me, you know, and I went, okay. I said, you know, I've been to every rehearsal. I've been to every performance on this. I never even got a chance to audition or show you my work. So if you won't even audition me, then you're going to have to find a replacement for me. At which point he was like, oh, that's a problem. (laughs) Right. Right. So he says, okay, come on, I'll give you an audition. We get on stage and and I do it, you know. And as I said, this is the stuff I know, you know, my my dad was it, you know. It, it came very naturally and comfortably for me. And after the scene, I, and I looked at him, and he was just looking at me very quizzically, you know. And I said, "What?" He said, "Well, I mean, obviously you can play the part, but what?" He said, "Well, no one will believe you're a British Army officer." Uh... And I said, "Why not?" He said, "Well, I mean, they'll see your name in the program, and they won't believe." Me. I went, you're telling me that because of my name, you're not going to give me the part? He said, well, you know, like that. Like, isn't it obvious? And he said, so if I change my name, you'll give me the part? And he was like, yeah. Like, what a thought. And I went, then I'll change my name. And he said, okay. And that's how it happened. And I go home and I think, oh, shit, I've got to change my name. You know? So that's when you became Eric. And, and, and that's my middle name, you know, so I just oh, went I with see. Eric. Okay. It's my dad's name. So Nari is your first name. Nari is my I first name. I thought it was a nickname. No. Yeah, saying, it's a first. nickname. Yeah, no, yeah, I... yeah, yeah. Chris Klug, I'm yeah. coming for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, everyone did. You know, it yeah. was, yeah. So, and it, I, 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 I tell that story because it, it's, that is the kind of stuff that we are confronted with. Yes. You know? I, I, went, I won't mention... The director's name was a very big name. And I go out for this Russian part. Real bad guy, you know. And uh, it was my scene. I'm playing the boss, and there was uh, a guy who was playing my secretary who had like a line or two, you know. And from the very first audition, the director would ask, Asked this guy, and I went in, you know, in dialect and everything else. So I maintained, you know, this Russian dialect from the get-go. Right? And he asked this guy, "He says, where are you from?" And he goes, um, "Poland." Oh, okay. And next day he wasn't. Next callback, he wasn't there. It was someone else, you know. Now, where are you from, Monrovia? Oh, okay. You know, so I, I knew like, this, this. This is getting to the point Weird. of ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, I go. I'm on my fourth callback. For this, you know, anyway. I'm getting a little irritated. With, like, oh, I've got better things to do with my life than to yeah. keep coming back and doing this. You know, you, it's one scene. How many variations of it can you show? And you don't get paid for your class. And you, you, you don't, and, and you're sitting, so, waiting, and you're yeah. nervous, and you know, all this stuff. So, anyway, finally, we get to this thing, and 
and you're sitting there, and it, it's this big, very beautiful, fancy office in Beverly Hills, you know. And you're sitting there, and you're just writing, and there's notes, and he goes, okay, so Eric, uh, uh, where, where are you from? And I said, well, um, originally, <laughs> I said, originally from Georgia, because that is actually... <laughs> Which Georgia? Yeah, <laughs> Soviet, Soviet Georgia, <laughs> and that is actually where the Avari clan originally oh, okay. is from. Okay, so you're right? not lying. So I'm not lying. You know, I said originally, and, and this verbatim, originally, originally. What, what does that mean? Where, where were you born? And he's writing notes, and I figured, okay, now, now I gotta, you know, fess up, right? And I went India. And he goes, India. Okay, so here's the problem, Eric. See, you look too much like Gandhi. I swear he said this. <laughs> you look too much like Gandhi. And this is a really bad guy. Okay, so I really want to see some menace. I mean, you want to see menace? Yeah, I, I've got a oh, few uh, reasons uh, at this uh, point uh, to give you some menace. Yeah, yeah. I, so, it's, I, I won't be acting. So, so I, I launch. And, and I'm really loud, you know. And clearly from outside <laughs> heard this, you know, and and walked in to see if everything was okay. Right? And she walks in and she goes like that. I wheel on her, you know, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> she surrounded the room. <laughs> it was his secretary. Oh. <laughs> I just like well I was like, is that enough menace for you? And the next thing I knew he was on social media looking for a real Russian to play that part and trying to get... He, he was having trouble getting a visa for that actor. You didn't even get it. I, no. But it was a genuine performance. Boy, boy that secretary won't forget yeah, me. No, I'm sure she didn't. Absolutely. Tell me about... Um, bef- before... You, should I bring up Milk of Human Kindness now, or should we get into oh, that after Stargate? Yeah, absolutely. So you and I, um, I think we look at humanity very similar in terms of its intrinsic nature. I think that we look at it a lot like Stargate does in terms of its, it has potential, but it has its issues. And you know, the wonderful thing about science fiction, I think as we all know, is that it tries to decode and move past the garbage that's all up here that we live with to what's fundamentally beneath. Um, you started a project, and God, I hope you finish it, and if there's any help you need, I am there, um, called Milk of Human Kindness. Can you please share your ideas for that project with us? Yes. I, uh, it's something that um, I've thought about a lot. You know, And, and coming from India, uh, or actually any, a, a, a different culture coming to America, one sees certain things, you know, from a different perspective. And what, what really got me, it, when, I, when I first came here as an immigrant, as a, on a student visa with nothing, I received so much kindness from so many people, people I didn't know, you know. Um, 
and, and they were, went out of their way to help me. And then, and so this is where we're talking the 70s, right? And with each decade, I, I saw this, this dichotomy, you know, it, this kindness and, that can turn on a dime and become hostility. And I was fascinated by this, you know? It's like, what is that? What, what is that within us that, that turns a, 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 such a positive quality into something so negative so easily, you know? And I wanted to explore this, and um, I had retired... I started as it was going to be a sabbatical, and now it's turned into full-on retirement. But I needed to get away from Hollywood, and, and I needed to get away from the roles that I was being offered, you know, or going out for. Um, they weren't exciting me anymore. They weren't really challenging me that much. Mm. And I also felt like I needed to reinvent myself, mm. you know, or at least take take a step back and uh, so I bought an RV I left California and I started traveling the country and I, you know, from one RV park to boondocking out on BLM lands and, you know, meeting all kinds of people, different people that, I, that you know, I didn't meet in New York or in LA and those were, you know or the few work stops that in between where everyone's crew, or everyone's brought in and whatever, you know, we, we all had the same sensibility and I felt I didn't I, I really didn't have a grip on what America was really about, you know what makes someone out in Iowa tick, you know um, is it any different to what makes a, a Hollywood producer tick or, you know that, that kind of thing. What'd you find? I... <sighs> Yet I started uh, doing uh, live interviews, and at that point I, I was also having back issues and getting ready to go into surgery, etc. So I had to put it on pause. But when I looked at the material, and I was just interviewing random people, you know, and I got some some interesting comments. And 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 I wasn't sure where this documentary was leading me and then I, I had my surgery and I took a little time off and I looked at the footage and I said there's nothing happening here I need to really go in and and stoke people and, and, and be much sharper with my interview process you know I, I've, I've got to push them and, and ask those difficult questions, you know? And then COVID hit. So, and, and in spite of that, I, I thought, I'd, let's, let's try getting people to submit their responses and see if that helps, you know? But it, there's nothing like a one-on-one -on -one interview and, and taking those moments to go, oh, why, why did you feel that? Right. How, how did you feel? You know, those little things open up the conversation and, and bear the soul, you know? And that's what I was lacking. And I, I didn't... 
I didn't have the expertise, you know, as, as, um, as an actor, I'd never really made a documentary before. I had lots of conversations with people, but never really, you know, probing to, to get to that thing. So it, it's just sitting there, and, and then we hit this political patch where I feel like this is not even a relevant issue anymore. You know, can we really talk about being kind at, at a time like this? Even though it's most needed, but is anyone really listening? Or is anyone really going to respond in a truthful fashion? Or are we so divided at this point where it's like, it's the other guy's fault, you know? Um, so that's where I'm at with it. And, and yes, I do need help. Um, but I'm determined to pick it up because... I, I think coming around with this, with our politics and, and the political cycle, that maybe we have a beginning, middle, and an end, hopefully, to, to this question. You I, know? I don't know. I refuse to believe that the people I disagree with are beyond redemption. And I have a really problem with anyone who says, those people that I disagree with over there, there's no hope for them. I don't believe it. I think Stargate has taught me not to believe it. You know, that's it, a really it, good it, point. When you think that that's that's a great point, David. Because when you when you think about just Kasuf's journey, right? Mm -hmm. He was one of those who was like, I, "I'm just doing what the big guy says. I am falling in line because that's the way to keep my people safe." Right? And and nothing would have altered that in his mind until he actually comes around and sees what's face happening. Face to face. Face to face. Yeah. And then brings this, you mm -hmm. know, this rage that's been suppressed for all these years, you know, and, and seen all the... And, and, and felt what he was complicit in, you know? And that's part of that rage that I think he, that came out in me when, on that charge, you know? It's like... Yeah. Would you like to see him continue to develop this? <laughs> yes? Yeah. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Give me some pointers. You know, how, how do I get people to open up about this in a way that's not where they're not feeling defensive? You know? I think now, I, first of all, when someone's willing to sit down with you, they're automatically saying, you know, I'm willing to have a conversation. I think that's the big step one, you know. But I think now, really more than ever, is a great reason, because it's all in our minds, I think it's a great excuse to explore the conversation with different parts of the country all over the place. Yeah. So and I yeah. think it would be. I think it's a fascinating time to do that because people are. It's raw. People and and people seek out entertainment like like this show to escape from that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I I I wonder if people would prefer to just escape it rather than Some confront do. it. You know? Some certainly do. Yeah. Yeah. That was Stargate music. That was me. That was David Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, very much so. Will you tell me, uh, before I turn this over to the audience, uh, about auditioning for Kasuf? And I have many more questions to ask you, but I would love to have him back on Dial the Gate. Would he come back? <laughs> you want him back? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us about that audition. Okay, so I had recently come to L.A., you know, and, and I was a 
New York actor, you know. <laughs> I was skilled in my trade because we do it. We don't yell cut. We just do it start to finish. We're so good, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a myth, you know. But we, <laughs> we clung on to that. And, and I was a little, you know, full of myself. And my agent sent me this, this script and said, uh, you know, they, they want you to audition. They're looking for people to, uh, you know, to improvise, and, mm-hmm. and, you know. And I'm looking through it, and I was like, this guy has got two lines, man. I mean, what would you do? Like, yeah, 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 but, you know, just go. I said, they're looking for an 85-year-old guy. You know, I'm in my late 30s, you know. Like, just go, you'll meet the casting directors and, and, and improvise and have fun, you know. It's like, all right, you know. But I wasn't hopeful at all about the you know, outcome of it. Uh, and I get there, and there were just swarms of people, all kinds, you know, young, old, for all different parts and all this stuff. But the waiting room was jammed with people. And I was waiting for a good long time. And then I've... I was finally brought in, and the the reader was eat, finishing his lunch, mm. you know, <laughs> and they brought me in, and uh, I didn't introduce myself, I didn't speak at all, you know, and I, I just walked in, and I see this guy eating, and I was like, nice, <laughs> right? And right away, I just, like, latched onto that, you know, and kind of w- wandered in closer and watched him eat it. <laughs> because people love that. Yeah. And then I started speaking in Nepali, you know, because I, uh... I speak Nepali. So, you know, so, so that, was, that was good. You know, I mean, I had a context. I could, you know, I wasn't just speaking gobbledygook and, and, and gave it some purpose, you know. And obviously, he didn't understand me. And so we had this little rapport. And meanwhile, Dean and Roland just rolling over themselves, you know, and uh, an actor, man, I mean, you lap that stuff up, you know, <laughs> it's like, would you like me to drop my pants as well? Kasuf is not <laughs> necessarily funny on the page. No, you gave that, that to him. That, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and deals, Dean, I, I think that, that was one of the things that he, he likes about my, my work, is that I look for the humor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so they, so that it was just the the ad libbing, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stuart. Yeah, there was nothing else, and then and then they they said, you know, we, we want him. Wow. And, Working yeah. with Stuart Tyson Smith. Oh, I, one more. Sorry. Yeah. Working with Stuart Tyson Smith on the dialogue. Yeah, that was really. Uh, he was uh, Stuart is the Egyptologist, mm-hmm. and it's a fascinating process. The whole translation process. Because apparently, every Egyptologist, uh, with their salt, I guess, they have their own theory as to how to interpret the hieroglyphs. The hieroglyphs are like, the way it was explained to me was, it's like shorthand, you know? And what they do is they drop the consonants. The vowels. They have the vowels. Oh, they have? Are you sure they they, have the vowels? They have the vowels, but they drop the The consonants consonants that go in between, you know? So it's mew, okay. mew, and cue, cue, and, okay. you know, there are a lot of vowels and no consonants. So the, the Egyptologist puts those in, where they think and how they think and all that stuff, right? But, so here was the process. I mean, I, I had a line and a half in, you know, in the script, so everything else was all ad-libbed at 
rehearsal. And the rehearsal is in the morning, right? We, you start the day, you, know, you get your coffee, you get into wardrobe, we do a little camera blocking and a little rehearsal, and then Roland was great. It was such, he, he, I just love that man. He, he was so relaxed and always with a smile, you know, and, and it, 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 there's something about that kind of environment that makes you feel safe and allows you to jump, you know, in terms of making choices, making bold choices. You know you're not going to be mocked or ridiculed or whatever, you know. At best, he'll laugh at you. So how, how bad is that? You, you, you know what I mean? So, but he would go, yeah, so now you just say, you say this, yeah, and, and, and then you do this, and, and we, we, then we do the scene, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, but now I'm going to run to Stuart Smith and say, how do I say all this yeah. stuff? And then he would pull out his laptop, and, and, and half an hour later, you'd go, okay, here it is. Wow. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? This sounds like you're swinging a cat by its tail, you know? It's like, <laughs> this is nothing. So, yeah, it was, it was. And Dean Devlin, yeah. he warned us all, um, he said, look, you've got to be letter perfect because we're going to put out a book, you know, like Star Trek, you know, they have all the, yeah. uh, the, the languages are really set in stone and, you know. So we busted our asses doing this until Jay Davidson got on the He was in for the last 10 oh, days. So he came in late. Uh, yeah, he was okay. in for the last 10 days and then it, that didn't seem to be an issue, you know. Yeah, he had so, his own his own uh, issues, for, yeah. issues yeah, for sure, yeah, and then yeah. they flanged him. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he wasn't supposed to have his deep voice in the picture. They added that. Or the eyes, they or anything. The like they added yeah, that. they called Jay. Um, 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 Jay, I'm saying. Um, Stuart. Clue. Yeah. Uh, Ra. My my son-in-law. Uh, oh, Daniel. <laughs> James Spader. Yeah, James, James Spader. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> James. Not James. I've got so many son-in-laws, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but they brought James and me in after, and, and we reshot that, uh, that scene that explains who Ra is. And I all see. That yeah, because Davidson was supposed to be like a lieutenant. Yeah, He wasn't exactly. supposed to be Ra. That's right. So That's that right. changed That's later. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do we have any questions for Eric in the audience? Don't all jump at once. This lady over yeah. here, is there a paddle? Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, I'm curious when when you get approached by someone and they and they compliment, you know, one of your films or, or any of the artwork that you've been in. Um, like, for example, if someone comes up to you and says, "Oh, I love your your work in the Mummy" or anything like that, what runs runs through your head through through those questions? Because you're so closely connected, obviously, to to your art, and so you know you might have like you know. I might love this movie, but for you, that was a really difficult one, or it was trying, and you know what I mean? What's your feeling when someone says, I love this piece of artwork that you were a part of? It's, that's a great question, uh, and thank you for that. Uh, because that, that 99% of the time, that is a, a wonderful compliment, you know? Um, whether I enjoyed the work or doing it or not, that, that's not, that's immaterial, you know. The, the, what does touch me is that it 
affected that person, you know? And, and it's a constant reminder how important it, what we do is, you know? There, there are people who've come up with some very touching and moving stories about how something has, you know, led them on another path or changed their life in some way, shape, or form. And that's a huge responsibility, you know? I mean, it, it's... And, and you know, the, our ego is such a driving force in this that it tend, you, one tends to forget the impact that it's making, mm -hmm. you know? Now, obviously, you can't perform thinking about the impact that it's mm -hmm. making, you know? You, you, you've got to just internalize it and, and just be moment-to-moment -moment within yourself, right? But... The fact that it, it does have an impact on people, I feel a responsibility to be as honest as I possibly can. And, and that, that's something that you know, people go, wait, wait, it's all a lie. How, what do you mean honesty? You know? I say, yes, once you get past that first lie, then it has to be completely honest. You know, your, your reaction knowing that, okay, I don't, I don't get popped in the mouth in this scene, right? So I'm going to come up and be like a Mr. Macho. Oh, yeah? What you going to do? What you going to do? But in real life, you get popped in the damn face when you do something like that, right? You know? So that's being dishonest. But there's know? truth in the story. That, and, and that's why and, we and, show and up. And you have to find... Yeah. Yes, yes. You, and you do have to constantly be aware of what your reality really is, you know? you know? Can you believe that it's been nearly 30 years? Can you believe that we're still wanting to talk about it? And do you ever ask yourself before coming to this thing, the things like this, do I have anything left to say? I always have something to say. <laughs> well, there, I'm glad to hear that because I have a lot to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's it, you know, it, it was three months of my life yeah. uh, in a very, you know, intense uh, situation with so many different people, so many different situations, incidents, you know, stories, uh, lessons that it, it's, you know, with exploring. And I know I, I would not have believed that we'd still be talking about that, you know. Um, in fact, when it first came out, it was kind of... It, the reviews were lackluster, I yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah. idea is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, yeah. and then it, you know, just people yeah. got into it, and, and then, you know... Exactly. Over rest here. Rest is history. Yes. How do you... Well, do the... Did the, the did the script writers add humanity to the characters, or did you have to try to do something about that yourself? Um, just because I know a lot of, especially in book creators, the protagonists will always have this moment where they like do something really brave where most people just probably just quiver or fear that ends up alienating people from feeling connected to the character as they could be knowing that, like, they feel related and somewhat human as well? 
Good question. Um, you know, what? Uh, one of the reasons I brought up why it's so important to be relaxed and, and playful, especially in rehearsal, is because that's how the best ideas come up. You know? mm. So during a rehearsal, uh, we would play. Mm. You know, um, Daniel would do something, whatever, you know, uh, and then I react. And so act, react, right? You, the whole thing about acting is reacting. You know, to whatever it is you, you're receiving. And if you're in a playful mood, y you can react in all kinds of different ways that, that open up avenues, you know? There are positive choices that an actor makes, or, and then there's sometimes a, a choice that, that dead ends, you know? It's like if you're sitting there going, right. not going to play, yeah. you know? What That's fun is that? dead end, right? You know, yeah. and, in, in a way. So during the rehearsal, we would play, and... Then the director, and we had both Dean and Roland, so they were the script writers as well, you know, so there was a lot of confidence in that, that I'd throw something out. If they liked it, they would go with it, or they would alter it and say, you know, instead of doing that, go here, do this, blah, 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 you know? And so it, it develops as, as a collaborative effort. And, and, it, and it's a... When, when stuff like that is happening, it's so joyous because you're creating, you know, and you, you, you feel like part, your, contrib your contribution is greater than th mm -hmm. the part, you know? Especially when you're dealing with, you're in a different language. That, and, but we do know the Abedonians have a sweet tooth. That's right. So was the Fifth Avenue candy bar, was that in the script, or did you add that? No, 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 that, that was in the script. Oh, okay. That's, but, yeah, man, so, so it was sweet, like, yeah, yeah, funny yeah. way. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I've got a, a, a little, okay, so we were talking about Georgia right. earlier, right? And sweet yes. too. Okay. How the Georgians, uh, we were Persian, we were the old Persian, now this is reality, I'm talking about my tribe, right, as a Parsi. We came from Persia, and during the Muslim invasion and the start of religious persecution, those that didn't want to convert or die got on boats, and the current took them to the west coast of India, which was then uh, this tiny little kingdom called Gujarat. And the legend has it that we were met on the shores by the king of Gujarat, <laughs> and he brought a, a pitcher, a, a, a tumbler of milk, showing that. You know, this was his land, these were his people, and we're filled to the brim, so you've got to go back. Apparently, sugar being a new spice to India and brought from Persia, some bright spark Persian pulled out this lump of sugar and said, these are our people, popped it in the milk, indicated somehow that we will sweeten, mingle, and enrich your society without overflowing it. So the sweet tooth goes way back. <laughs> 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 That's great. Anyone else? Yes, sir. You? Yes, you. Yes. Hello. Hello. Um, in talking about like the lies and talking about like the truth in the story and how it relates to your own documentary project, do you find that? that is sort of the same with 
the the Americans that you've been interviewing in this process? Do you find that there's always like at first the lie and then you get to sort of the truth and, and you know, how do you sort of unwrap that as That's you're talking to people? That's a great question and I I, I I don't know the answer, <laughs> you know. You're still finding it. I'm still searching for it, yes. And, and I, you know, the thing is, I don't know it's, if, if it's a lie or um, a, just a different perspective, you know. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure they, they absolutely believe and then something in them makes them believe something else. And I think that's what I need to find out. It's like, what is it that that could make you turn on a dime like that, you know? We're so... And, you know, coming back to milk of human kindness, you know, I mean, I I feel uh, I I could, you know, and I I could give myself a a pass very easily and say, I'm a very kind person. Mm I am very kind to my dog, you know? And, hey, you, back the fuck up. You you know what I mean? Or like, or to someone we love, you know, we we're so we're so hurtful. What is that? I, I need to I need to know, you know. Um, these are these are burning questions. I I am in search of that, and I don't know I'll, I'll, if I'll ever get past the surface of it. There know? is. Has anyone seen the document? This is this is. <laughs> has anyone seen the documentary The Bridge? It is, they covered the Golden Gate Bridge with four cameras for a year and taped the suicides. They followed the news, they found the families, and invited them at the appropriate time to talk about those people and their experiences. It's one of the hardest films I've ever watched. The film does not strive to tell answers. The film asks questions questions and leaves you at that. I love that, David. That... Don't watch it in a dark place in your life, um, but I invite you to watch it all the same because I think that we have to face those issues head on. And we in the West particularly don't like to do that. We like to medicate. And medicate, we do, either through prescription or alcohol or whatever. And if we don't sit down with one another, and dare to ask the hard questions. If they don't get asked, whatever comes next for us, I believe we are accountable. And that's one of the reasons why I endeavor to do this show. And thank you for doing it with me. My pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you all for coming. You know, this is nothing without you. Really, right? We know. You, yeah, awesome. <laughs> Let me remind you, though. <laughs> Good answer. Oh, yep. Sorry. Okay. Um, Going back to your earlier point, you were asking for suggestions. Um, I always enjoyed watching Larry King and Charlie Rose, Mm -hmm. um, just because they didn't come with an agenda or to judge. They would ask a question and let them answer and let the uh, viewer decide. And what the other thing I always liked about it is they held. the question until they got a response, which I thought was really valuable. You're so right. Okay. (laughs) This is something I I think it's a a cultural thing. 
I, I f- sometimes I feel like I'm being rude, you know, by, by pu- pressing someone mm. on it, you know. And I just got to get over that, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I find yeah. that so valuable. But yeah. I do have a quick question for yes. you. Um, over the years, on again, off again, there's always been talk about a sequel to the movie outside the confines of the TV series. Yes. If they did, would you come out of retirement for it? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... You know, it's the one that brung me, you know, you know, uh, absolutely. I, I once told uh, Dean Devlin, I said, he's hired me so many times on every show that he does, you know. And What's I, with the golf balls? You're going to kill me yeah, here. That was an ad lib. Oh, man, that, that was, was funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> so he's, I, I said, uh, you know, in a moment of, you know, I said, Dean, man, you know, I'll do anything for you. You know, you're the one who's responsible for my Hollywood career. And <laughs> Missy Obedi was, don't blame me for that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's all I did. But he's, he's they're just, you know, both of them. I found that that combination, you know, the, the sum of the parts was greater than the whole. Something yes, like that. I think you you're know? right. <laughs> it, it, the, 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 that, that combination, it was just magic and I wish they'd get back together and, and you know do do more stuff again. But yeah, I would I would definitely do it. And now I'm the right age. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what other project would bring you out of retirement? What what story would be? You know, you you were saying that you don't have anything that really material that really excites you right now. What what type of thing would you be like you know what okay I'll spend three months on that that sounds interesting King Lear okay <laughs> you know, uh, so, doesn't have to be you know that um, but if it's if it's something that that absolutely grips me in a, in a personal way um, here I, I guess to work backwards okay I, I, I don't want to do anything unless it's going to be uh, more, not significant in, in size, but unless it's going to be more better, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if it's going to stretch me. Stretch you to the next level. To, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, I think I've had enough of this level that I've been working at, right. you know. And I'm bored with it. <laughs> right. Well, I think, you know, getting into, I think we've been talking about what the next step might be. And I think, I think you really should pursue it. Mm. And I'd be happy to help in any way that awesome. I can. I will take you up Absolutely. on it. Absolutely. Alan, do you want us to stick around for a little bit or? Give you two. Give you two? Gangsta. You got it. Got it. One more question. For Nari Avari. <laughs> yeah. How about for what? Eric? Or for Eric. What's your favorite Abidonian word? <laughs> mew, mew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. I was so hoping you'd make it for Children of the Gods, and it was a scheduling conflict, right? For the, oh, yeah, the pilot. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't even know about that until yeah. I read about it. And I was like, you're just scheduling. I was? Really? Yeah. So. yeah. 
Um, doing and we were also in full circle. You were supposed to at the end of season six. You were also scheduled to go back for, and that was a that was a a, uh, a scheduling conflict. It's it's you know just opportunities to uh, they they they're hit and miss, yeah. and you have to grab I guess what you can when you can, and we're lucky for when when we had him. Absolutely. So. You know it, it, the old saying: it never rains, it pours. Right? That's, That's true. That's our business, man. Wow. You know, you sit around for months doing nothing, and then you get two offers at the same time that coincide, you know, that overlap. You've got to pick one. Right. You don't know, and I have made the wrong choice on so many. You think so? Yeah, yeah. You're standing there on stage just like, oh, man, I picked wrong. Not, uh, no? In, in, in retrospect. I uh, see. Uh, the, the, I'll give you an example. Um, Adam Sandler. After Mr. Deeds, he, he was like that. You know, he was like, all right, come on in. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You know, and, and, and I was supposed to do anger management. Uh-huh. And I was, uh-huh. I did the table read with Jack. You know, yeah. You know, it was, it was great. What a good movie. Yeah, fun, right? And I was supposed to play the part that uh, Dean, uh, Harry Dean Stanton played, the, the blind guy in the, in the bar okay. who, you know, and then and, uh, Adam gets into a fight with the blind guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what sends him off to anger management. <laughs> and, um, and I got a pilot. So, you know, it was like, oh, man, a pilot and this. And you know what they make you do a pilot? Before you even got the part, right, while you're auditioning for it, you, on your final audition, it's called the network audition, you sign your contract for the next four or six years, right? Wow. And that all the numbers are right there. You sign it, you know, and you think... It's longer than a military career. Cow, yeah, yeah, this is what, you know, and year two, I'll be able to do that. And, right. da, da, da. and, and so it's very... Tempting, but there are no guarantees, you know. So you, it's life. Yeah, and I gave up anger management, and Adam never called me after that. That was the last, last gig I did. You know, and and the pilot went nowhere. It didn't get picked up. Give it up for Eric, please, everyone. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And we'd love to have you back on more Dial the Gate. I will be back. Absolutely. My name is David Reed. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you, guys. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner. Co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo designed by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. <laughs>